This is gonna hurt. It's time, it's time for the Suffering, the suffering Podcast. Podcast. Young men are sent off to a foreign land to fight for a cause that they don't fully understand. Experiencing brutality, death, and horror is the meal that is dined on at every sitting. Yet they stand tall and do their duty, not because of an ideal, but because of their family in arms fighting by their side. Dreams of home and better times fill what little sleep is stolen into chaos, waiting and hoping to get back to a normal life if only they can hold on a little longer. The only hearts and minds that need to be won are those soldiers that are still in the trenches. After all the blood, sweat, and tears has been shed, the wheels touch down in their beloved homeland. They were greeted with disdain and called awful names. These warriors had to face a continuing battle at home. I'm Kevin Donaldson here with Mike Felice, and on this episode of The Suffering Podcast, we sit down with John Paulus to discuss the suffering of Vietnam. John fought two battles, one overseas and then one back at home. Thank you so much for traveling all this way to come with us. You're welcome. John, it's always a pleasure to talk to people like you. You know, I keep forgetting that that Vietnam veterans are now senior citizens. I, I have a tough time because they were our fathers, they our, were football our fathers, coach, yeah. football coaches. That was the Vietnam era. And now... You know, they're they're starting to go away, and I don't like that. Yeah. I don't like that. Geez, Sylvester Stallone's 75. Yeah. You know, the He's, Mr. Vietnam. He, yeah, Sylvester Stallone, yeah. <laughs> Before we get too far into it, let's thank our marquee sponsor. That's Toyota of Hackensack. We buy our cars from Toyota Hackensack because we don't trust anybody. So go to toyotahackensack.com. Let them find you a car. Now, John, you've traveled all this way, and our first start of every episode is to take a – take a question from our audience. This week's question comes from Steve. It says, what is your favorite war movie? Usually our questions are, you know, you know, how much suffering can you take before you break? This one's, this one's a fun one. What time did you take your dog for a walk today? (laughs) So you have a different perspective on war movies than say Mike and I, because we weren't, we didn't go to war. We watch them for entertainment. We watch police movies for authenticity. What's your favorite war movie? Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Why so? Why is that one your favorite? It was uh, pretty authentic to the boot camp. To Vietnam yeah. is pretty authentic, except for the fact that the uh, when he shot, the, committed suicide. Mm-hmm. Uh, they it's almost impossible. They would take the rifles away from us to lock them up, and for him even to have a round, they make sure you had no rounds when you left the rifle range. I mean, that's that's all part of Hollywood, though. Yeah, you know, oh, that, yeah. That, that's what Kevin yeah. was saying. Like uh, with authentic movies, but, I mean, yeah. we could watch a cop movie, a police movie, and and pick it apart. Right. You know, from yeah. from point A to, to point Z. But it was amazing because everything else other than that was right on. So the, the one part in that movie, the suicide scene that you're talking about right after boot camp, there was about 15 opportunities for Joker to go and seize that weapon from Private Pyle. And he never did it. He mm-hmm. just stood there and looked at him, even though he had an unloaded weapon sitting yeah. at his feet. Yeah. So, you know, but again, it's a great movie. Yeah. It's a great, fantastic great movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. Mike, what do you think? Uh, you know... Uh, I think for for action purposes, which is probably the most overproduced movie, I think was Rambo. Rambo's the first Rambo won Oscars. Like yeah. it was, it wasn't a, a typical Sylvester Stallone movie. But but how realistic was that movie? I don't think it was realistic at all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, good. you know, I mean, to us, to, to us, you know, non-military guys, you know, never served a day in the military. Yeah. To me, that was a you know, it was a great movie. Oh yeah. Because yeah. I don't know any better. It was important for this reason because it brought to light some of the struggles that the veterans had coming home. The original one. The second one, he's, I mean, you know, you're under fire and you're sleeping with your hot co-star. But yeah. but that, the, that happened in Vietnam a lot too. We'll get I'm into sh- that later I'm though. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> sure. Um, for me, I'm a big fan of Lone Survivor because I'm a big fan of Marcus Luttrell. Yeah. You know, the in Operation Red Wings in 2005, they're up on that mountain, they're hunting a guy and they, they just... They're in a bad place. They're in a bad spot. Yeah. But the nice thing, the thing that I always loved about it, the thing that always brings a tear to my eye is you got these four guys up on a mountain that will die for each other. Right. They're brothers. They're true brothers in arms. Mm-hmm. And that's what always struck home to me. And the will to live, <laughs> too, is another thing. If I die. Oh, God. This is so. <laughs> but, you know, I did like Mel Gibson, too. That movie he made. with we, we Were Soldiers? We Were Soldiers. We were soldiers. Yeah, yeah. That, that, was, that was awesome. You that know? guy didn't die too long ago, either. I did. I saw some stuff. But on that, uh, getting back to Lone Survivor, there's one line that always makes me choke up. And it's Matthew Axelson. And he's, he's, he says, uh, if I die here on this mountain, tell my wife at least I died with my brothers. 
And that it kills me. Like, yeah. I have to stop the movie yeah. every time because yeah. I don't want my 12-year-old to see me crying. He loves that movie oh, yeah. as well. Uh-huh. And now my 12-year-old my wants to go into the military, and I'm just there's part of me that's proud, and there's part of me that's not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> see, I, I always say, I don't want to say my, my favorite military story, my most touching military story has got to be Pat Tillman. Pat Tillman, that's you know, a, that's a great. Gave Tillman, up everything. He gave up everything. Gave up an NFL career. Oh yeah, you know to to that's go right. fight for the country, and then he wound up getting killed by friendly fire. Yep. And yep. you know, I mean, I still wear. I'm I'm a member of the Pat Tillman Foundation. You know, I go in his. You know, he's got five k runs every or four point two mile runs, and I go every year. I got plenty of Pat Tillman. I bought Pat Tillman jerseys. I mean, that yeah. that to me is a true American hero. I just, yeah, I, I, just I agree. So that's what we all should do. We all should sacrifice everything mm-hmm. for a country that I think has, has given sacrificed us a lot. for us. Right. So, John, this is the, always the, the most loaded question that we <laughs> ask everybody, and that's just tell us about yourself. Well, let's see. I grew up uh, watching John Wayne movies. Mm. Uh, I always had a fascination about the Marines. Now, do you think you think all cowboys who who were work cowboys that watched John Wayne movies going, yeah, that's full of shit. That's bullshit. Yeah. Well, <laughs> What's your favorite well, John Wayne movie? John Wayne. Yeah. <laughs> but I, 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 well, I see. When I received my draft notice, rather than going into the army, I went into the Marines because I believed in it. I liked. I always. I was very proud of the Marines, mm. uh, and uh, I, 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 I think that uh, if I had to do it over again, I would do the same thing. Yeah. You know? Well, I know a lot of the the, the draft dodgers and the, the the culture of the '60s. Nobody. It, it was one of those wars. Again, looking back on it, I wasn't there. One of those wars that seemed to be the unpopular war because the media was involved, and the media can shape people's minds. Um, when you when you got your draft notice, was it was it like a feeling of dread? At the time, at the time, uh, I was very um, patriotic. And I believe that, you know, we all have to do our duty for our country. And, uh, you know, the, the reason was that we're going over there to stop communism so it doesn't spread to the United States. That was the reason. Mm-hmm. That's why. And I, I, I believe that until, I guess, uh, I started seeing all the uh, called hippies, uh, demonstrators uh, back home and what they were saying. Hanoi Jane. Yeah. Well, okay, yeah. yeah. Hanoi Jane. Right. <laughs> so that's, uh, that changed, didn't change my mind. But it, it was just sad, sad to see that. Yeah. So Hanoi Jane, do, do you know the true story behind Jane Fonda's involvement? The true story? Because I read the book called Night, and it's about prisoner mm-hmm. wars in, yeah. in Vietnam. Yeah. So when she went over there to check the conditions of the prisoner war camp, one of the guys handed her a piece of paper with his social security number. That's what I heard. Right. And what she did was abhorrent, and she gave the piece of paper to the commanding officer of the POW camp. That's the way I hear it, yeah. And because of that, that guy got severely, severely yeah, yeah, punished. Yeah. Well, how about when she had put the uh, helmet on, and she sat in the gun turret yeah. of, of the North Vietnamese Army and pretended she was shooting, right? Yeah, right, against your own people, yeah. against your own people. You know, that's so— and, and here's a woman who makes millions of dollars, millions of American dollars, yeah, because we pay for stuff that she— yeah. She yeah. puts out there. Now, you you went to, what year did you enlist? Or how old were you in, when you enlisted? Just shy of 19. Just shy of 19. And so you went to high school with a lot of people who were going. Yeah. What year was this, by the way? I got enlisted in 66. 66. So right out of high school, because you probably graduated in 65, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Right. So you saw some people going. Yep. You saw some people starting to get drafted. A lot of my friends. What was the, what was the common talk amongst the common feeling around yeah. everybody uh, they were like there was there was some people that didn't want to go and they would say like you know uh you know well actually i mean th- that uniform that marine corps uniform really uh, inspired a lot of people they were uh, proud of proud that uh you know they knew me that i went in there and uh they uh didn't say nothing bad about it you know, I came home and I went to the high school with my uniform on. You know, yeah, there's dress blues or beauties. It had to be yeah. a proud moment, though. You know, yeah. I always see that like when Marines come walking yeah. into a high school. Yeah. It's yeah. like, yeah, but I didn't have my dress blues. I had my dress greens. <clears throat> okay, and they're sharp too. Yeah, know? they're they're really nice yeah. looking. And uh, I I would stand at the uh, top of the school and talk to all the teachers coming up to me and all the students coming up to me. But a lot of my friends in '64 and '65 went into the Marines, so that also kind of motivated me too. I'm going to tell you, Mike, I'm going to show you how you can test, you can show who a true Marine is. When's the Marine Corps birthday? November 10th. 
Every Marine, they must really beat that into you in boot camp. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, th- I think really, I mean, the fact that I'm involved on in the Marine Corps League and the VFW, I mean, uh, Jay, Jay our hun- uh, hunter, our uh, commander, he's a Marine too. Mm. So we celebrate November 10th there. Yeah. And I also, I, I used to live in uh, Maryland in Ocean City, and they're big on the Marine Corps birthday over there also. Well, I, I used to hang around an old Marine. That's why I know the birthday. And every November 10th, I'd text him, hey, happy birthday. Yeah, happy I birthday. I did the same thing. And, you know, the, the, it, was a big, it was a big thing. He was somebody who was very dear to me. And um, I know it was a sense of pride. He always identified he was a Marine. And I think he was a Marine before – he identified as a Marine before a father. I was going to say, Marines care more about November 10th than their own birthday. Oh, 100%. Matter of fact, we're going to um, Tun Tavern in Philadelphia – this November 10th with a, a busload of like 14 of us. And we just go, we hang out. There's like 3,000 Marines walking around, you know? Oh, you got to go to, uh, so one of our sponsors is Grand Saloon in Clifton. If you go to 940 Van Houten Avenue, you got to bring all your Marines there. They'll, oh, yeah. They're so pro first responder, veteran. Nick over there takes care of everybody. Pro-American. Pro, yeah, they're pro-American and they got great food. And they got great, <laughs> they really do. They have great food. Although Nick, spam on the menu. Uh, that's that's my own personal little crusade try to get spam on his menu okay yeah. now we're talking about spam how much spam did you eat over in vietnam well i didn't eat we didn't have any spam over here but uh, my mom cooked a lot of spam when i was a kid <laughs> oh my grandfather made spamula spam and eggs <laughs> spam oh and eggs. so good and my kids i got my kids drinking yeah eating it's spam. coming back right uh, it's expensive now yeah it's five dollars a can wow Wow. It's crazy. Yeah, we bought it because well, it was cheap. You ever see like Monty Python, the Holy Grail? Spam, 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 spam. spam. <laughs> so you go, you enlist, and then you go to boot camp. You, you're this idealistic kid going into this this world who you think, I'm going to be a soldier. I'm going to be a warrior. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to kill I'm gonna all. A, I'm going to be a Marine. I'm going to be a Marine. Now you get into boot camp. What was your wake-up call when you get into boot camp? When he, the, the DI got on the bus, we pulled, we pulled into uh, the, uh, Paris Island. And when that DI got on that bus, man, <laughs> this ain't like the movies. Yeah. He's yelling, uh, can I say, uh, Absolutely. Oh, you can say whatever, whatever you, want. you want. He's yelling, asshole, the belly buttons, asshole, the belly buttons. <laughs> Don't you eyeball me, boy. Don't you eyeball me. And we were like, well, most of the guys like, you know, you know, you, you, one thing they don't want is to look at in the right in their face. You know, yeah. you got to look above them. So what the, the drill instructor in my police academy was a force recon Marine. Oh. And he trained us, modified, obviously. Mm-hmm. But he always did, you know, it was the point. It, they never point. It was that. Because apparently these days in the Marines, you can't point at anybody. Oh, yeah. So you do this. And it, he was serious as a heart attack. He was about five foot two. Scariest individual I've ever met in my yeah. life. Yeah. yeah. Scary, scary. Yeah. So first day of police academy, I can, un- I can, I can understand that because he – He's got his clipboard and he goes, Donaldson, you don't belong here. And he looks me right in the eye. I'm like, all right, I guess I don't belong here. <laughs> so I started turning my car around. He goes, park your car. And then get in the lean and rest. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that DI starts yelling at you. Um, what's next? Well, they get us off the bus and we got to stand in these uh, yellow feet are painted there. So they, they get us an order. I guess you get you order, get your order in order at that time. And, uh, they march us right in. I think the first thing they did was start cutting our hair. <laughs> just like just like Full Metal Jacket. Yeah. Yeah, they shave it all around. Just like stripes. <laughs> I take a little bit off the top. Or, yeah, did you, do, did, my did name's you, Dewey Oxberger. My friends call me Ox. <laughs> <laughs> this is like an eight-week program. I figure I could lose some weight. Mm-hmm. Um, did you have any – somebody in, in your bus put you in the lean and rest almost immediately, I guarantee it. Somebody screwed up. Somebody was fooling around. Somebody did something to put you in the lean and rest position, which for those people who don't know is the push-up position. Yeah. I mean, if, if you find somebody goofing off or something like that right, right off the bat, start doing some push-ups. Yeah. Um, and pretty much all they did was like scream at you. You know, they were screaming at these guys. They made, made, made them sound like real a-holes, you know, mm-hmm. screaming, screaming, screaming. You know? But um, I, I think the really uh, once that started as far as separating people who made goofed up was in in the uh, uh in the barracks hmm. you know that's when he really got you going you know exercise the heck out of you and uh if you um uh, i had a friend that was uh, went in went in with me from high from south plainfield high school and uh he kept 
smirking at the DI. And the DI said, get your face off me, boy. And he, and he would, he said, and wipe that smirk off now. And he'd, he'd take the smirk off his face. As soon as the DI turned around, this guy was always, that's the way his personality. He always had a little smirk on his face. I knew him for a couple of years. So as soon as the DI turned around, he had that smirk on his face again. The DI runs up to him and says, boy, do you love me or something? You know? <laughs> you think I'm pretty? Yeah. And so he says, he says, uh, boy, you're going to motivation platoon. Now, that's where you don't want to go, Motivation Platoon. I don't know if you've ever heard about that one. No, that one that one I've never heard of. Yeah, Motivation Platoon is, um, we, they would march us by Motivation Platoon just to scare us, you know. Motivation Platoon, they had this big pile of sand on one side, and they put this silver helmet on you, and they give you a bucket. And you had to empty that pile of sand and take it over to the other end of the field and dump it there. <laughs> and then once that's done, they did And meantime, they had a DI there. And a couple of DIs, and they had their little billy clubs, you know, and they were making you move, man. Mm. You couldn't stop. They run back, 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 forward. So that was part of motivation, you know. And we all said, hey, I don't want to go to motivation. So, I mean, you looked straight ahead. You didn't look at that DI. Now, you, they could hit you at this point, too. Yeah. They, um, when we were going through, if you did something wrong, they'd come up and you'd punch in the belly, you know. Mm. They'd punch in the chest. They would. Um, it wasn't the kinder, gentler Marine Corps. No, yeah, no, no. Yeah, they were. They were tough. They were tough on us. I mean, and you've you seen a lot of that. You know, they uh, one guy smacked a guy in the head with a with his uh, smoky bear helmet mm-hmm. and a smoky bear hat, and um, it started bleeding. And it, but they, you know they weren't, weren't supposed to hit you, so it started bleeding. And he really got some napkins right. We stuck it on him. He's looking around, make sure there's no officers around because he probably would have got busted for doing that. But those those drills, from what I understand, were the most squared away individuals on the planet. Uniforms fit perfectly, oh, shoes man. perfectly shine. And from what I mean, I, that was someone you almost looked up to, though. That's someone who you wanted to emulate. You know, that's why they put those people in that DI, position. Sergeant Brown, I remember his name to this day, right? And he had a scar right down his cheek here to his lip, and he talked through the slides of his lip like this, and he he say, "Hey, you fucking maggots, man," you know. <laughs> And, and he could write to your face, you know, and he was built like a, he looked like a bulldog. He was short and looked like a bulldog. You didn't mess with that guy at all. <laughs> you, you get scared of these people, but at the same time, it's so serious. Did you ever crack a smile or fight off the uh, urge to laugh? Um, there's certain things they say, and we saw it in the police academy. There's certain things they say where you almost chuckle at it. My, my <laughs> DI, again, the Force Recon Marine, serious as a heart attack, looked like Scott Farkas from a, from a Christmas story, used to stutter. Mm. Right? He would stutter. He would come up, and he was, he was so short, he'd look straight up at you, and he'd try not to laugh. Try not to laugh. It's almost impossible. Yeah, that's right. And guess what? He's trying to make you laugh. Like I figured it out after the police academy or towards the end. That's all part of the game. Break you down as individuals, build you back up as one. And... Um, you know, I'm, I'm very proud of it. I did so so well in boot camp that uh, uh, there's squads, four squads, mm-hmm. and if they, if you stay a squad leader the whole time and you do you do a good job at the end of boot camp, you're awarded a PFC stripe. Mm-hmm. So I was one of the squad leaders to get a PFC stripe out nice. of boot camp. Didn't get my dress blues because that guy that was that guy a guy he was right on man. He was perfect. Never missed a step. So he stayed the whole time. But uh, I. Um, I was proud that I got that out of boot camp. Now, there, are there any other experiences in boot camp that are that are noteworthy? Now, I'm sure you know you you probably went through how many weeks? So that was eight weeks for us. Eight weeks, and, and then we went to um, advanced infantry training after that for another four weeks. Eight weeks to get somebody ready to go to war. To go to war. Now, did you ever look back now in hindsight and and understand? from a drill instructor's perspective, why they were so tough. They had an abbreviated time to get you ready to go fight. Mm-hmm. Did you? Did that ever click in you? No, but you know, they originally had 12 weeks mm-hmm. training, but with the Vietnam War, they wanted us out quick and you know, over there in Vietnam, so. Did you ever run into your old DI? No, no <laughs> after that I never ran into him, no, no. Was, but, he, was he a Mustang? Um, no, no he was not. No, no. The, the Mustang, from what I understand, the Mustangs are the officers who worked their way up, worked their way up from enlisted. Yeah, no, and they were just they, enlisted. Yeah, yeah, enlisted, and they were always a little bit more respected, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah, because otherwise, where'd they go? Quantico. Yeah, Quantico. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. 
like I said, I, I, I spent a lot of time with an old time Marine who fought in the Dominican Republic in 65. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so um, you I get, went on vacation in the Dominican Republic. <laughs> I don't think this was Punta Cana. No. Where they, where they were. <laughs> um, but uh, you, so you survived boot camp and you, you probably think this is a, just a huge, huge victory. How many guys were in your graduating class? 80. 80. But you know, you know, it's amazing though. You, you get through boot camp and you're like, ah, we're done. It's just the start of it for you. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, it's like you graduate high school and you think, you know, oh, I'm done. Then college is next. But now you graduate boot camp. The next thing is, you know, infantry training. No, the first thing is your celebration because you get what, three, four days leave? Um, well, what, your, my parents came up. So did they at least bring you a celebratory cigar? <laughs> no. We had to give you, because one of, again, another one of our sponsors is Frontline Cigars. So you, yeah. you do a Frontline Cigar. Uh, actually, if you go to FrontlineCigars.com, put in TSP, you get a 15% discount. But TSP you gotta so You got to celebrate yes. TSP. That's what I said. TSP 20, is it? No, TSP 20 is Popple. Oh, Popple. Which is the other. All right, all right, I, believe, right, I believe they gave us time with the family. Yeah. And we went out for like a dinner on base. Totally changed probably from when your parents saw you last. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I was straight up and down, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, I think that they had a leave was, I didn't get my leave yet, but then right after, uh, right after, right after we graduated, we got 30 days leave and then we had to come back to, I think the advanced infantry training after that. And how long until now of your 80, how well, many, how many actually went? You know, I'm not positive about that. Whether we went from boot camp to advanced infantry training and then a leave, it could be that way too. It was 50 years ago. Yeah, I don't, no, I don't no, expect you to remember yeah. that. Yeah. Barely remember 50 minutes ago, <laughs> my 50 years ago. Yeah. How long, how many of your, say your 80 graduates in your boot camp got shipped off to Vietnam? Do you think it was all of them or some of them had to stay stateside? Yeah. I, I would say probably 75%. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, I only know a few people I talked to said that they, uh, if you get an MOS that's, uh, that like an office poke, you know, and they need you in Camp Lejeune, that's where you stay. Right. And it's not, you know, it's not that they didn't want it. I talked to these guys today, go, yeah, I wish I could have went to Vietnam. You know, I volunteered, but they wouldn't let me, you know, because it's a job they got to do. Mm. Now, do you look um, on those people who didn't go over there that you know, are, I, I know there's probably a lot of self-guilt in them, but how do you view them? I, I view it that, hey, your government asks you to do a certain job, and that's what you're told to do. If I was told, if I had a job and, and I wasn't told to go to Vietnam, that's what you got to do. I mean, you can volunteer and, and if they send you, great. If not, then, you know, they don't send you. I mean, it, it's got to be a, a weird feeling, whether it's, I don't know if it's a sense of relief. You, you don't know, join like, the military to be a typist. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. what I'm saying. You know, you're going through this boot camp, gearing up to go to war, and all of a sudden, you know, it's like I said, when I graduated the police academy, I was full of piss and vinegar. I was ready to go out on the street. Yeah. I got put in the courts. Yeah, see? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just sitting there, all rise. That is why I didn't never want to, I never applied for the sheriff's department, because yeah. I didn't but want to But you're right, the though. The guys that didn't go over came back and said, I wish I had gone, you yeah. know? And what do you tell them? I say, hey, you did what you had to do, and that was your job, and you- you serve your country. But going over there, do you say, no, you don't wish you were over there? Um, oh, yeah. I mean, I say, no, you, you didn't miss nothing, man. It was, <laughs> it was, you know, I'm lucky I came home. It wasn't know? a vacation. No. So you, you, you go through all your advanced infantry training. Now it's time to fly out. And one of my, I'm a big fan of uh, the movie Hair or the play Hair. And there, I see him marching onto the, to the uh, DC-10. And they're going. They're about to fly off to Vietnam, and they're marching and stuff. Kids are crying. They're everybody's scared shitless. How many? How many of the people just see him shaking? Everyone. I was shaking. Yeah. You know. I mean. Uh, you know. We're jumping a little bit because just before I went to Vietnam, they put me on a med cruise, and a med cruise is uh, Marine uh, Infantry. There was eight hundred of us below a troop transport ship, and we floated around in the med. And we would do maneuvers on all the islands like Sicily, Sardinia, Crete. You know, we do maneuvers training for Vietnam. And, uh, that was a six month thing. Plus they gave us good leave. Then after that, we came on the way home. My lieutenant came down, not very, very gung ho lieutenant. And he yells out, Paulus, I know you're in that head. The head was the bathroom. He says, and I know you're going to volunteer for Vietnam. And I said, yes, sir. You know, <laughs> so. From that point on, now you can go take a 
So you you get on that transport. Well, what Ex- it, explain what's going on in your gut? It was uh, I flew um, first class, probably right. Yeah, yeah commercial airline was a seven thirty seven. We had four very pretty stewardesses that you know all the guys were kidding with them, and they were kidding with us, you know. But they can see we were nervous. They're trying to make us calm, you know. And uh, when we pull into we pull into Da Nang with this air, uh, commercial airline. And they said, get off the airline first fast because they're still taking uh, incoming rounds. And we don't know, you know, if they're, when it's going to happen. So we got to drop these off and get out of here. You know? um, imagine those airline, those airline yeah. stewardesses. And imagine the, And the pilots. Yeah, imagine them. They're, you are, you know, you're probably flying 30, 40% to their death. Yeah. 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 Think about for a second, they may not be fighting, yeah. but they're bringing people to the battle. Yeah. The, the stress. They're, they're, they're part of the war. The stress of those folks. Yeah. I can't imagine. Those poor women are looking you in the face saying, am I going to, am I, am I ever going to see you back? Am on I going to see you on the flight back home? Well, you know, it's funny you said that because, you know, when I used to get on the C-46 to helicopters to take us out to our mountaintops and drop us off and, you know, a lot of noise and shaking and shaking and you got eight, nine Marines on one side. Nine Marines on the other side, you know, and I'm looking at the Marines and I say to myself, I wonder how many of my friends are not going to make come back, you know, from this operation. Right. Yeah. Did it, did it cause you to get distance with some people who you were in country with? Um, or did it cause more of a bond? No, it, it was more of a bond, more of a bond. But, you know, I remember in, the, uh, in Vietnam, they rotated us. So in other words, uh, when I was getting there, three guys be leaving you know, mm-hmm. and more guys be coming in. So it wasn't like World War II where you were with those guys the whole time, you know. We were shifting different people all the time, you know. Right. And you got to know people. Um, <clears throat> I mean, I had a bond, I had a bond with, uh, matter of fact, uh, one of the guys I was with uh, in Vietnam it joined the VFW in um, Glen Gardner. Mm-hmm. And I'm good friends same, with him. Same home of our, the very famous Bob, Bob Gibson. Gibson. Yeah. The, yeah. the yeah. one that, Home if, you, Bob go, Gibson. If, That's you, right. yeah. if you go back to our episode with Bob Gibson in uh, World War II, yeah. actually yeah. suffering a D-Day, you'll find out exactly how we met and how we came to know you. But you get in country, you step off the plane, aside from the incoming rounds, what's you, what do you see? What's your feelings about what's going on? I see people walking around with bandages, blood, blood, you know, coming out of the bandages, take us into the uh, hangar and they said, uh, you're going to be just a couple minutes. People walking by on stretchers, you know, wheeling around with stretchers. Uh, you know, you get nervous when you see all that, you know, you're coming right from the States. It's like, what's going on? Now, you know? now when you got off of that plane, did you feel you're well-prepared or did you feel like, holy shit, what am I getting myself into or both? What I'm getting myself into, yeah. you know, you know, um, but I, but I said to myself as, as Marine, I said, I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the best I can. Real, so, reality hits you hard sometimes. Yeah, that's what it was reality, you know? Yeah. And, and you could be as excited as you want to go. But once you step off that plane, that excitement just turns to sheer when, when like, you, terror. Once you see these guys going on. And meantime, uh, rockets and mortars are being dropped in on the airport, right? And you hear all this and, and we're in a hangar here, boom, shaking, you know? It's like, you know. <laughs> Wow, you did your feet. You went right into the fire. Well, not yet. So they, uh, they said they, that's the way. Time out. out. There's mortars going off and there's rockets. We're not in the fire yet. Incoming rounds, mortars going off, and you're not yet in the fire. Not the real deal, but, uh, this was, uh, you know, real deals when you get out in the boonies in the jungle there, you know? So, Mm -hmm. you, you know, you talk about full metal jacket and everybody thinks Vietnam was only fought in the jungle, especially being 50 years removed from it. There were cities in there too that you went in and cleared, correct? City, um, or towns, let's say. No, see, my my unit was stationed up in the hills mostly uh, along the DMZ, uh, by Quezon, the, the demilitarized. We were up high there, you know, and that was like they would drop us off on the hilltop, and uh, we would um, all around us jungles, real thick stuff, you know. As you as you see my picture there that I I brought. With the, those bananas, I had bananas. There. We're going to have Drew put that up on the screen as you're yeah. as you're talking about and it, and you yeah. can see how thick the jungle is. You know, so um, what was it like trudging through that stuff? Hard, very hard. I'm sure, because uh, it, a lot of you know we had a lot of rain, and the jungle grass get real slippery and it gets sharp, and it, you just hit it and it gives you a cut. You know, like uh, sawgrass. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it, saw, yeah. yeah. If you go yeah. if you go against the grain, 
it'll it'll cut you if you go with the grain. It's nice and smooth. Yeah. And they're they're those they're like the paper cuts too. They're like paper the pain cuts, in the yeah. ass things. That, I mean, they hurt like hell. Yeah. And of course, you know, you get dirty, it gets infected. You yeah. know. So I mean, I'll give you an instance. We when I first got there, we were carrying a three point five rocket and uh, the launcher, and we. We are every one squad was required to carry one of the rounds, which was about, about I guess maybe a foot and a half long, you know, big, pretty big. So we'd have to get down the bottom of these hills, and you couldn't get down the bottom of the hills holding this because it was so much grass and jungle stuff, and it was slippery, and that you would have to pass the round down to the guy down at the bottom, you know, slide it down, you know, mm-hmm. and then you slid down yourself after that. I. Forrest Gump wasn't with you, was he? Yeah. I'm sorry? Forrest Gump wasn't with you, was he? No. No, okay. I just want to make sure. Because you, if you found him, you just stick near him because he's lucky. Yeah. Um, now, when, when was your first taste? If that wasn't the fire getting off the plane, what was your taste of real battle? Like real Vietnam battle? Oh, was, I, I, got, I got to Vietnam in like November 20th. But uh, Of what year? Of 67. Okay. 67. And um, ten I, days I, after the Marine Corps birthday, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and uh, that really didn't happen till like December sixth. Uh, called, I think it was Operation Kentucky. It was called, and uh, we were. It was a dark, you know, and raining, and we were, had dug our foxholes at the top of the perimeter, and uh, uh, NVA heavy NVA uh, attacked us, and we. Uh, that's when I received my Chicom belt. So take that out of there. I want to. This is a first for our for the <laughs> Suffering Podcast. We actually have a grenade in studio that used to belong to a North Vietnamese NBA officer. NBA officer. Show us what that is, John. Yeah. Now this it's, is it's a belt buckle. So a cartridge belt to call it, right? Belt buckle. My first question was: Is it inert? Is it? <laughs> is it live? <laughs> is it live? <laughs> no, it's not live. No. Uh, that's an amazing piece. Something and that's a piece of history, right there. Yeah, that is. That's that, that's a really amazing thing. It's got the Chinese uh, writings on it. You know, is that where they got all their munitions from? Yeah. China, and they, a lot of them. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that. So what you're holding right there is from a deceased officer. Now that officer, I don't. I don't even want to know whether you did it or one of your one of your friends did it. Whatever you did, when you saw him there. When when he died, was there any remorse at all? There was, but there was so much action going on. You know, you're kind of like happy it wasn't you and mm-hmm. happy it wasn't your close friend. But some of my buddies did get KIAs, but you were just lucky it wasn't you. And so you didn't have, I didn't have any feelings for him. Now, in looking in retrospect, two soldiers fighting on opposite sides of the battle, how do you view him now, 50 some odd years later? <laughs> Dead. Yeah, <laughs> you know I see this with Gettysburg. So you had the soldiers from each side of Gettysburg. Yeah. They would meet at, at on the battlefield, shake hands. Yeah. Do you think? Well, they were Americans. They were brothers. Big yeah. difference, you know. Yeah, yeah that's exactly. what that's what I'm trying to I'm trying yeah. to figure that out. I'm trying yeah. to work through that in my head. Yeah. Do you, do you bear any any or harbor any bad feelings towards those people who fought against, or do you? Or is it there some some modicum of respect? Well, I had I had a trip awarded to go back to Vietnam. All expenses paid. And I didn't go. Mm. I mean, I've done it. I've seen it. And uh, I, I heard that they're, uh, they try to indoctrinate uh, the Americans coming over about they won this and they won that, you know, and they got the plaques up in their names and all that. So I, I wasn't, I didn't want to go see that stuff. Yeah. Right. I mean, you go over there and call bullshit on it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, the war, the war has been over for so long that I, I, I'm always wondering about that. At soldiers fighting on opposite sides. How do you view each other? As time moves on, is there some respect involved? Hey, you did your thing. I did your thing. We fought for what we believed in. You fought for what you believed in. You know, it, you, you chewed some of the same dirt. And uh, I'm wondering about that. Well, there's there was a, a Vietnamese family down in, um, I guess, just before Atlantic City. And they have a, they invited all the veterans and they bought, they bought a monument. And they placed it in the uh, marble monument, placed it in the local park. And all these Vietnamese soldiers that were on the, the Vietnamese army and women were all in full dress. And they gave all the Americans us total respect. You know, so, I mean, it's, it's come together. I mean, we, you know, you can see that they're very appreciative of what, they, what we did for them. And uh, 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 now they come back and they, 
give you so much respect. I mean, I, I don't have any hard feelings. That's the South of Meese. That was the good guys. Right. I was going to say there, there was probably no kumbaya shake hand moments, but obviously that's kind of like a kumbaya probably, shake hand moment. Probably looked at them a little side eyed. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oh. yeah. Well, you know, you know, those, those guys over there, they uh, were known to run, you know, they didn't stay when they had to stay. So that's something that yeah, I have a hard feelings about that. Yeah. You don't run away from somebody yeah. who's in danger. They were supposed to like have our left side or right side. And when you needed them there, they weren't there. Yeah, unfortunately, I know that feeling all too well. (laughs) (laughs) And we talk about it quite often. Yes. And it was from a lieutenant. Yes. Yes. Um, Here we go. (laughs) No, Mike was actually, from what I understand, I never worked with Mike, but Mike was a good lieutenant. Um, There there was was some some of those out there. So talk to us about some of the worst battles, the worst of the worst. Uh, I guess uh, that uh, Kentucky was bad. And then we did this. Um, How many did you lose in Kentucky, uh, Operation Kentucky? Well, that, that one I was talking about, that mountaintop, where it got broke through, I think there was four KIAs, right. you know, as opposed to maybe 200 of the opposite people, the NVA. Okay. Yeah. But um, they're probably the worst that I was in. The, I was in this uh, um, Pegasus battles. Uh, the, it was a, it was, they sent us into the hills of uh, Vietnam. 880, Hill 881. Just to clear the area. Right, because they had a lot of pressure, NVA with a lot of pressure on Quezon. And they wanted us to go in there and break up as much as we could. So we spent a lot of time in those hills, uh, search and destroy. And uh, it, it was, you know, you t- take two or three, four or five, you know, you never knew what how bad the firefight's going to be. But I... Um, what was it like the first time you you fired your weapon in anger? Or in battle, let's say, not in, not in so much anger. Well, you're very nervous before it happens, you know. Yeah. And then once you let go of a, a few rounds, you know, then you realize that, you know, you got to stop these guys. Now, now you got to do what you got to do. It's either you or him. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's you mind right. if I take a look at that, that grenade? I just want to put this on full display. Uh, look at this. This is something. 1567Z. Yep. That's where it was taken from. Yep. That right there is a reminder of, actually, I want to move that a little closer away from me, <laughs> just in case. <laughs> just in case it's not inert. No. That right there is a reminder of, now this thing explodes and it's probably filled with all sorts of garbage in here too. Yeah, metal. It, yeah, it probably ex- like uh, ball bearings and yeah. stuff like that. This, this isn't going to take out a platoon but or a fire team, but it's going to really, it might blow your leg off. It's going to cause some damage. Yeah. It would hurt somebody in a foxhole. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. That's a crazy. And so you, the, the Pegasus missions, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I just, I had to, I had this, I've been eyeing this thing up. I had to see it. Yeah, it was, it's, uh, that, that's, they called it the Operation Pegasus. And we went from hill to hill. It's just to keep the NVA from approaching, uh, Quezon. And we did what we could, but, uh, what really stopped them going to approaching a Quezon is, you know, they were the B-29 bombers and the jets with the napalm yeah. hit those hills like crazy, you know? So, that killed a lot of them over there, and that, that that softened it up where they wouldn't they backed off after that. There is a question though that that is just boring a, a hole in my soul. What exactly does napalm smell like in the morning? Sulfur, mm, sulfur. <laughs> According to Robert Duvall, he loves it. That's yeah. all I know. Yeah, um, he puts it on his eggs in the morning. But it, it does have a, a very distinct yeah. smell to oh, it, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, and when that's dropped, I imagine it lights up everything. The heat is—you you feel the heat miles away, you know, a mile away. You know, that's very heat, very hot. And and they don't even know how many people that killed. Yeah, no, no kidding. No. It's, it's like Agent Orange. Well, Agent Orange—that's that's that was the the to get rid of the bugs, correct? No, that was to uh, kill the foliage so kill. that so that we could see where the NVA's holes were at. Oh, you know, um, so we can operate better. Now, did each. What, your your group of guys, what was it? What was it called? Was it a fire team? Was it? Well, you have a fire team, and you have a squad, a squad, and a platoon. Does everybody have their own, say, quote unquote, tunnel rat to go in there? Uh, no, it was just like if, they, if it, we ran into a tunnel, we had an officer would ask for a volunteer. Really? Yeah. The uh, so it was a volu- volunteer tunnel rat. <sighs> One of the most dangerous men I ever met in my life was a Vietnam tunnel rat. His name is Bob Bobby Casper. He was the most unassuming man I've ever seen in my life. Five six, five seven. He was a, he was a master. Stop shortchanging. <laughs> he 
<laughs> he was a he was a master at Filipino knife fighting, whatever that particular martial art is called. <clears throat> but this guy, and the reason I know him is he used to work with me when I was boxing. He used to work with me on my footwork and stuff. Um, but one of the most dangerous men ever because he could work an angle on you. And and I'm six three, six four. He's five foot six, five foot seven. And if I threw a punch at him, he'd be behind me with his knee in my calf and have me screaming. Yeah. But if you ever talk to the man, he smiles, soft spoken, <laughs> never raised his voice. And I know from people who have gotten him to talk, some of the stuff he did was frightening, was absolutely frightening. Yeah. Um, those guys, they were a special, special breed of man. Anybody that volunteered to go into a, to a tunnel. I, I, I never volunteered for that job. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't blame you. Some it's people, some people were voluntold. Yeah. <laughs> like you were voluntold to go to Vietnam. <laughs> yeah. At, what was the worst battle? The worst? Probably LZ Loon was the worst that my company was in. LZ Loon? Yeah. Talk to us about that. It was three days, June 4th, 5th, and 6th. And uh, we went in there just to um, give support. They were putting artillery on the hills because the NVA was bombing us from Laos, you know, hitting our positions from Laos. And so we were supposed to get some artillery in there to knock some of that stuff out. And uh, on the on the, uh, the fifth day is when we noticed that there was a lot of NVA all around us. So um, they they attacked us, and uh, the. Captain, it was Captain Negron. He couldn't get the coordinates on them. Nobody can get coordinates exactly where they're at. So you just uh, see flashes coming. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, much but it. I mean, but so that, so they got they broke into our lines that that they also on the fifth, on the yeah fifth, and he um, told passed the word everybody get down on your holes, your foxholes, and he called over artillery that would burst right above our holes, and that's really what saved the day because it, it killed the NVA. You know, backed them off. The first friend who you were close with that you lost. What did that feel like? It's uh, you're lucky. It's not you. I feel it's you know I'm feel bad for real bad for my buddy. You know, but could have been me too. You know, yeah. I had a. Um, did you feel any sort of obligation to get a word back to his family or anything like that? Uh, so so fast, everything was going on. You know, you didn't get uh, you moved, kept moving. So. Um, you still had a job to do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll give you an instant. We were, I was uh, coming in on a helicopter, a C-46, and uh, they ambushed us. And the, the pilot said, we're going to be landing in a hot zone. And uh, he said, he couldn't land. He says, you got to get out. Everybody jump out now. Now get out now. And as I was getting out, I was like maybe, the, it was like 18 Marines there. I was like the fifth Marine out. And I just have to look back like that. And I saw the NVA pop up with an RPG round right into the cockpit. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it started to explode. The helicopter started to explode. And I jumped, as I jumped off, I remember a piece of shrapnel about as big as a wheel went flying right past my ears. And I tripped over another Marine. I grabbed him by his strap and I started to run. I know where it's running to, but I mean, we're shooting at us with 60 caliber machine guns. They, wow. They're big rounds, man. Yeah. They hit. It's like, poof, poof, poof. and I, um, uh, and they were dropping mortars on us too because they were all, all the hills around us. You know, we land on one hill; they were all around us. So uh, I grabbed it by a strap, and next thing I knew, I was falling, rolling into a big hole. And I didn't realize at first what it was, and then I realized it was a B fifty two bomb crater. You know, that uh, blew out that big hole. And if it wasn't for that bomb crater, I'd be dead today. It was the other Marine. Yeah, the other Marine got in the back. He, yeah. he was he yeah, was deceased. He, he, yeah, I helped. He, he rolled down on me on the back. Yeah, KIA. Yeah, it's killed in action. But so I, uh, I mean, I picked my head up. Every time I picked my head up, that bastard he wanted me, you know. And he was like, boom, 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 boom. and then the shrapnel's flying, and the shrapnel blows. You know, so hot. And I tell you, I kept my face down. It was mud down the bottom. I put my face right in that mud. Any any chance that you? I had the idea in your mind that, well, this is it. Yeah. This is it. Oh, yeah. I, I, I sure it was. What was your thoughts? Uh, Say a prayer and hope for the best. Yeah, yeah. You know, I I, I was I was leery about, you know, when he said it's a hot zone, everybody off, 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 right then and there. You know, holy shit. You know, here we go, you know. But uh, when I was down at that bottom of the hole, I tell you, I, 
I just couldn't get low, low enough. Mm. And I felt bad for the guy above me on me, but I didn't know who he was or never to this day. Cause at, what happened is the, we finally, we grouped and they called in artillery on all the hills around and napalm. And that got them off and quieted up. And we regrouped and we moved to the next hilltop and we dug our perimeter foxholes around our perimeter and we sat in for the night. Now, this sounds awful. It, it really does. It sounds awful, but I'm sure. Come from you, I expect it though. What's that? I said, coming from you, I expect it though. But go ahead. <laughs> no, I said, this experience <laughs> sounds awful. I thought you said what you were going to say sounds awful. Um, God. So inappropriate. So inappropriate. This is, this is one of but, my nightmares I have all the time. You know, it comes back, flashbacks. You know? Absolutely. I, I could imagine. But there were, I'm sure, because you're with your brothers. I'm sure it wasn't all rounds over the head. I'm sure you laughed because you have to. You just saw some really serious stuff. So I'm sure there was some good times you had with the people around. Oh you. yeah, yeah. I mean, we we uh, you know we were in land in the area that I don't think nobody's ever was ever there. We found this uh, rock formation that was uh, hollowed out from years of the water coming down. And we all got, we put sentries around and we all got naked, went in and we were having a blast. <laughs> we're like at the beach, you know? Yeah. You had a wild hogs moment in Vietnam. Yeah. You yeah. can say, is that, is that like one, I mean, you're talking about all these terrible moments. Is that one of your funniest moments there? Uh, let me see. One of my funniest moments would be. Uh, I'm not sure I'd skinny dip in Vietnam. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Marines are a special breed yeah. of people. This was clean. It was clean, pristine. <laughs> you know, we were in some bad waters and, and a lot of leeches and stuff, but this was a clean area. It was really nice. Uh, I, um, what was that question again? The funniest thing that happened funniest. to you. I think, like, the, like Kevin said, there had to be, there was a lot I, of I deep, think the dark funniest stuff. Was, that picture I brought in with those bananas, yeah. you know, I, I had, I cut them off. I was like, you know, I was fascinated. Wow. Bananas, man. <laughs> you know, they're like little, little guys, you know? So they said, well, if you put them on your backpack, they'll turn yellow and they'll be good to eat. So I put them on my backpack and I walked with them for two days. When I sat down that night, not sat down. We sat, we dug our foxhole on, on a perimeter and I just started eating my sea rations. I said, I'm going to have, I'm going to have some bananas now. <laughs> as soon as I opened my first banana, I'm not kidding you. I don't know where the hell they came from. Hundreds of monkeys, <laughs> <laughs> hundreds of monkeys. And they were vicious, man. They wanted my bananas. <laughs> I, only way I got out of there is I had to throw my bananas out to them. What, what was worse? NVA or monkeys? Say, yeah, the NVA's coming from one side, monkeys coming yeah. from the other. Yeah. yeah. You know, because the reason I asked that is, is when you go through those critical incidents, the thing that gets you through it the quickest is laughter. Because as, as police officers, we laughed more than I can tell you. But we also did some really serious things. Yeah. And I've heard from other people who have been involved in war the same thing, that, that downtime is when the good times happen. And that's just as memorable as the, the horror. Yeah. yeah. Um, but eventually, you can't do this forever. Well, you know, you, you're going to rotate home. Yeah. Well, you know, today, I, I told you about that the reunion I went to just mm -hmm. like last week. And these are all guys, or a lot of guys were with me. And so we talk about things that, you know, I was uh, talking to this one guy. And his name is Terry Tillery. And he was, uh, I said to him, Terry, I got a quick question. I got this in my mind. I mean, so all these years. Wait, Terry Tillery? Yeah. His parents should have named him Art. Art. Uh, Art. When he said Tillery, I was they thinking should have named Art, him Art. Right away. Yeah, that was his name. <laughs> Art Tillery. But um, I said to him, hey, Terry, because he, he got there the same time I got to Vietnam. So we were together for a while. So I said, Terry, did this really happen? I told him an incident. You know, he goes, yep, John, it did happen. You know? So, uh, I mean. It's nice to talk, talk to you guys yeah. and, and just to refresh your memory that, yeah, it did happen. I mean, some of your recollection of it may be different from someone else's That's recollection right. of it. That's so, exactly right. You know, yeah. And, and, yeah. and the more you think about it, the more your mind plays games on you and you may yeah, you may skew your own yeah. facts. Yeah, we, we differed on it. You know, we were supposed to hit this gookies in a tree, you know, and we we're supposed to bring up the M79, the, the blooper type. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, we're, we said, he said, I got him. I said. Oh, I thought I got him. <laughs> <laughs> now, eventually you find out Vietnam is coming to an end for you. And was there, was there a feeling like just, I got to make it a couple more days. I got to make it a couple more days when you knew the end was coming or did they take you out of the, the heavy action? Well, in November of the, of 68, uh, they, um, I got my R and R. I waited to get R and R. I wanted to go to Australia. So, um, I had enough of the slant ice. 
I wanted to go back to the round eye girls, you know? <laughs> so we, I, we had a blast over there. And uh, I had this, uh, I got, I got this, I got too wrapped up in one of these women over there. And she was writing me these letters, you know, for like six months afterwards, you know, thinking I was going to go back. But uh, yeah, when I came back and they put me right back out with my, my unit again, in the bush, you know, and I said, man, was I depressed, you know? <laughs> I mean, I just got, you know, weird whiskey, a go-go dancing, having a good old time, you know? Yeah. yeah. And then I'm back out there again, you know? And in the meantime, I'm thinking that uh, she's in love with me, you know? But, uh, you know. She I was have, looking for a meal ticket back home. That's yeah, all. Exactly. That's all. That's what I called my mom when I got to Okinawa. She said, Johnny, that's what she wants. She wants to come back to New Jersey, New America, you know? Yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> so you finally step on that transport back home. Joy, was it was it sadness because you're leaving people behind? What was that like? Well, it was um, sad they were leaving some guys behind that I knew do real well. They had more time to do it to be there, but it was really joy to know you. Get, now you didn't realize you didn't feel it until you really got to Okinawa. Mm. You know, like had to be uh, a sense of relief too. Yeah, you know? oh, big big relief. But, but you know, you were any minute you were so afraid that they were going to hit this plane. You know, going out. Yeah. You know, but. Uh, I made it back to Okinawa. Now, while you were over in country, did you hear of any of the issues going on at home with the protesters, or was that kept from you? Um, they did have the Stars and Stripes. Mm -hmm. and But Stars and Stripes was trying to keep your hearts and minds. Yeah, I, I, I don't recall, you know, we, we didn't talk about it much. You know, we didn't talk about it much, and I don't recall hearing much about it. And it was probably a good thing, because it would have made me more, more sour. You know, right. But what it, we that's doing. what I was going to say. When you came back, was it a hero's welcome? No. Or... You, know, you were up against you step the hippies. The, you step off the plane. What? I stepped off the plane in Newark. Right? Yeah. And uh, the plane in Newark, even back then, we had a circle around for a while because they couldn't come in land. It was crowded. So, and there, and there was a lot of turbulence. So like, I don't know, for an hour, we did up and down, up and down turbulence, you know? So I get off the plane. My whole family's waiting for me to go. My, first thing my mom says, Johnny, you're yellow. I said, well, mom, I was up in that plane like a roller coaster for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> Get off the plane, you puke, instead yeah. of kissing the ground. Yeah, I didn't puke, but I was close to it. Yeah. Man. But anyway, but uh, no, they, they greeted me. There was all, my whole family. That was beautiful. It was such a nice I'm sure that's something you'll never forget. Never forget. Never forget. My little brother, two years old, was there. You know, it was so nice. But uh, I uh, really, what it started was <clears throat> when I would, I'd go out somewhere, you know. You, know you had a two-year-old brother? Yeah. I was going to say, that's probably the first time you met him when you when you landed. No. Oops. I, no. I, uh, <laughs> let me see. <laughs> no, I was, uh, I knew him before cause, uh, you know, I was home and leave. Yeah. yeah it was home. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, uh, anyway, I, I, um, I, I would go places, you know, and I, I wanted to talk about what I did, what was going on, you know, nobody wanted to hear, nobody wanted to hear. So, um, I met my wife, uh, in January of 69 and she was always been interested in what I did, you know, so I had her to share my thoughts and my feelings and it worked out pretty good but i went to middlesex county college and um uh, i was in the history class there and this uh, teacher with the, the long hair and he had the bell bottoms and everybody said he's the head of this democratic society here you know mm. so i said okay so now he's telling all these kids you know they're like 17 years old 18 years old i'm like already 21 now right mm -hmm. he's telling all these kids that how bad our country is burn your draft cards refused to go into the service he goes russia is this and russia is that and the guy next to me was in the navy and he says to me john you just got back and down. do you believe what this guy's saying here i said yeah and I'm, that just pissed me off i went up to the front of the classroom and i put my finger in his face and i told him i said this is not right these kids are all i was watching these kids are going uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh, uh -huh, like that you know i said these kids are all agreeing with what you're saying it's not right what I did for my country, everybody should be obligated to go to service, whether it's right or wrong. Where country calls us, you got to go. So he called me out to the hall and he apologized for saying that. He told me he would promise never to say it again. And he didn't. And So you changed somebody's mind. Your suffering changed somebody's mind. Yeah. And, and that's what it's there for. Right. And I, I got a good grade. Mm. You know, I don't think I was doing good that class but i got a good grade <laughs> it's a shame that you know during that war and i don't think it's happened since <clears throat> vietnam not to my knowledge <clears throat> not on a grand scale like it did in vietnam where where soldiers coming back from battle step off the plane into another war 
that happens at home. Well, I mean, soldiers would come back from Vietnam and they were being spit on. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I, you know, I, I, I have some, not everybody got spit on, you know? I mean, there's stories about that out there, you know? But some did. Yeah, some did, but not everybody did. But uh, I think that the worst thing was, you know, all these uh, demonstrations going on. You know, I, I get out of class and I walk into the courtyard. Every corner, there was a demonstration against Vietnam, yeah. you know? All these students. And how how's a guy feel that just got done serving his country? You know? Yeah. I mean I'm sure you were filled with like post traumatic stress. Yeah. You know, yeah. you, you and and you were probably just about to snap at that point. Yeah. And That's, to see these people for fighting you know, you being the proud American and fighting for your country. Yeah. That's coming it. home being an honored, you know, military veteran at this point. Yeah. That's gasoline on the fire. And he, these people are just stoking you right now. Yeah. Yeah. So the the story I heard is I used to work with a guy who was in he was in Vietnam before we were in Vietnam. You know, all his mail got routed through Texas. His mother thought he was in Texas, but he's got pictures of himself yeah. in Vietnam. And so he he was there when the war officially started. When he came home, there was a woman who spit on him. And he told me this once because I got real close to this guy. She spit on him and he punched her right in the nose, <laughs> like dead square in the Good. nose. Justified. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Justified. Justified. Absolutely. absolutely. It would be yeah. justified homicide. For me, anyway. Yeah. So yeah. that stress, that post-traumatic stress that you felt, you were just a kid. I still feel it. What? How do you deal? How do you cope? Because uh, our the suffering podcast is all about giving people tools yeah. on how to deal with certain events in their life yeah. and how you dealt with it personally. How did you deal with it? Well, I um, I, I, I was a workaholic. Yeah. And, you know, I was my own business for 36 years. So I was so busy working. I'd work a lot of hours, maybe like... Uh, 16 sometimes hours a day, 12 hours a day. You know, I was a restaurant, restaurant business. Mm -hmm. And I was so busy doing all that, that I didn't get to think about that. So it was a relief for me. That's the same thing Bob Gibson said. Yeah. We as Bob Gibson, World War II veteran of D-Day, Battle of the Bulge. What did you do? How did you get through it when you got back to stateside? And he said the same thing. He goes, you got to get to work. Yeah. You got to get to work. Well, right. you know, an idle mind is the devil's playground. Where him and, him and I, when we had our events, we couldn't work. Yeah. It's almost counterintuitive to what the what the people who came before us said to get through it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You yeah. got to keep yourself busy. I've been retired for six years now, and I've worked, I'm working more now retired than I was when I was working because I have to keep busy. Right. You know, if I have too much downtime, if I have a day off coming up, I get like anxiety thinking about the day off. I'm like, yeah, I, same, I have to do, the I same have to do something. The same way to this day, you know, I'm, I don't want to get laid up for a month or two months yeah. or, you know, you know, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll deal with what I got rather than, you know, tell yeah. me I got to not do anything for a yeah. month. It's crazy. Lay in, lay in bed for two weeks. Yeah. You look like you, you spent a good portion of your life taking care of your body. You're in great shape. You've, uh, you've survived what some would say the most unpopular war in American history doing what you had to do, serving your country, doing your duty with honor. And my hat's off to you because, you know, a lesser man I think might've broke when they came home and got done fighting one more and had to fight another. Well, well I know people have turned, turned to alcoholics, you know, mm -hmm. big time alcoholics. There was a lot of suicide after that. A lot also. of suicide, alcoholics, you know. And uh, um, I, I, I have a good friend that came back, got Agent Orange, you know, mm -hmm. good friend. And I, he asked me to be in his wedding when we got back. And he used to come to my restaurant and talk to me all the time. One day I call up and I says, can I talk to Artie? Artie's not here anymore. I said, what do you mean he's not here? He died. I said, well, he died from what? He said, complications, Agent Orange. So, I mean, it's, 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 it's shocking, you know, when you find that stuff. Like, you know, but uh, I, um, like I said, I keep myself busy. And I do. I exercise a lot. You know, mm -hmm. and uh, I made myself a little man cave, you know, <laughs> and um, a little safe place. Yeah, that's right. Actually, what I like to call it is the back cave. For, yeah, to to get away from wives. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I mean, I, that, that helped me a lot. I'm sorry, hon. I'm so sorry. I mean, John's I, I, lovely wife is sitting out there. Yeah, in the I, I know you've seen a lot of stuff, you know, and and I'm sure you relive it all the time. Uh, like you said, you still think about it. Is there one certain thing? that you think about like all the time, one certain thing from Vietnam that yeah. really yeah. sticks with you. Yeah. Uh, we were on patrol and the guy in front of me, machine gunner, right? And, you know, I tell you, the jungle so thick, you can look at that picture, you see it. And out of nowhere, a bamboo viper just swung down and bit the guy in the arm. And then, you know, they tell you, two-stepper, man. Yeah. You know, take two steps, you're dead, you know? So 
he um, hit the ground, and I put, I was first there, right behind him. So I put a tourniquet on it just above his elbow, and I called the corpsman up. Corman put a couple of cuts in there, and he squeezed out as much, I guess, the poison he could. But this guy started flopping like a fish, yeah. you know, right there, you know, in front of me. And he's looking at me in the face, you know, like eyes wide open, you know, like a help me look. Yeah, I was so, I was so. To this day, I feel bad about it because it happened right in front of me. Now I couldn't have done anything about it because didn't see it until it came in down the last minute, you know. But I did, I did kill the snake with a machete afterwards. But we, I tried to get him. Uh, uh, we, we thought Corman says he's dead, all right. So we brought up a body bag, put him in a body bag, and um, I felt so bad. So we, I went to the landing zone where the chopper was going to come in to, to medevac him out. And it was a lot of bamboo trees. So you couldn't have him come in and it was on the side of it. We were always on the side of freaking hills. Yeah. And you couldn't get him out uh, because the bamboo stumps were there. But we tried, I tried like heck, you know, four or five times to try to get him into the chopper come down to see 46s, long ones with the back drop down like that. Yeah. And it would come in and we'd be hoovering, 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 hoovering. And we tried to throw the, throw the body in, missed. Hoover, 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 throw the body and couldn't get him. Finally, the fourth time, we got him in there. And for all those years, I felt so bad about that. I still feel bad about it. I, I wish I could have killed that snake first. But I, um, and I felt so bad about my buddy. I just laying there with his eyes, would die with his eyes open, they said. So I go to a reunion right, last year, because these have these reunions every year. This guy gives his, he did well. And he invites all the guys up from Charlie Company. And we have a great time. But anyway, we're talking about this incident. And I said, did, did anybody remember the guy that was hit, hit by a snake? Oh, I was there. You were? I said, I was right behind him. He goes, no, I was behind you. And then the guy says, oh, I was in front of the you when it happened. You know? So we all got, holy moly. And then the, uh, we have a historian of our uh, Charlie Company. He comes over. He goes, no, John. He went to the uh, Danang airport and they zipped open the bag and he was alive. Wow. Yeah. Wow. All these years I thought he died. <laughs> He's, he shows up the reunion. No, no, it was me in the bag. It was yeah, me in yeah. the bag. <laughs> yeah, no. But he wasn't there because he died you yeah. know, later. So if you had your advice of what you've gone through, both, both in the war, after the war, and dealing with the stress of war, if you were to speak to a younger person ready to go into the service, ready to go into war, what what do you think is some apt advice that you could give them? It depends what kind of guy he is. I mean, if he's um, motivated about our country, he's motivated about it, be, be about uh, motivated about being uh, gung ho. Uh, yeah, I mean, go for it. You know, you want to be a marine, you want to be recon, you want to be a, a Nate Seal. You know, go for it. You know, it's it's personal pride. You know, so I would say that, and I would say that um, if it's I mean, if it, if your country says they need you. And you're an American citizen. I mean, it's our duty. Correct. That's what I'd say. I agree. I agree. hundred percent. Is there anything that you want to throw out there for a plug? I know you belong to the VFW and Glenn Garner. They've been so good to us. We've been down there. They're the wonderful bunch <clears throat> of people. Anything you want to plug? I just think that the Glenn Garner in VFW and Glenn Garner uh, is probably the best post around. Run the best. Yeah. And Jay's I, wonderful. Jay, Jay's doing a great job. And he's got uh, pe good people on the board. And I happen to be the chaplain there. So, oh, very nice. Yeah. Very nice. And they all keep me about being father, you know. <laughs> but, hey, somebody had to do it, so I raised my hand, you know. You're like Father Mulcahy of the VFW yeah. and Glenn Gardner. Yeah. Yeah, you, you don't volunteer to be a tunnel rat, but you volunteer to be a chaplain. <laughs> well, you know, Less yeah. bullets flying at your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, no, I, I would plug the VFW, doing a great job. They have a lot of good functions going on. It's one of the most, uh, in, in New Jersey, I think it's one of the best. Oh, we do. Well, I tell you, we had a great time when we were down there that night, though. I yeah, mean, they, they treated, they us, treated like, us like gold. Yeah, really did. So we're coming to this. We're coming to the end of this thing here. And you've been through things that I can't imagine. You fought in one of the only unpopular wars yeah. in the United States history. You've seen a lot of suffering on many different levels. What do you think it's taught you? What I think. What? What do you think your this suffering has taught you? It's taught me. So let me be thankful for my life, thankful that I'm here, thankful for my family, thankful that I was able to be have successful business, and uh, thankful that to uh, that I have two great grandsons and my daughter. You know, I'm very thankful for all that. Do, do you think your your 
experience in the Marine Corps and in Vietnam gave you the work ethic to run your business? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was like, they everybody could say, I could tell you were in the Marines. You know, they'd mm-hmm. say, the way you run this place, you know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all your cooks had to have their shoes polished to mirror shit. Mirror yeah, shine. we all wore uniforms, yeah. you know, and you wore black shoes and you wore the white uh, aprons in the back, you know. Um, I'll tell you a quick story. I had this one guy was cooking back then. We were busy. I mean, we'd have a 45-minute wait almost every night of the week. And after a while, people somehow, they get cocky with you when they know you need them that bad. So I'd go back and I'd say, hey, I says, where's the food? I need the food. Get it come a little faster, you know. So he took a big knife and he starts pounding. He says, he'll get it when I'm done. So what I do, I went over, I got a bigger knife. <laughs> and I came back and I said, I want it now. <laughs> and I'm right in his face. And you know what? He stopped and he got busy again. Yeah, that's, that's, there's a lot of value to military service. It teaches you a lot of life lessons that yeah. I don't think you can learn anywhere else. No, you can't learn that in college. No, no. John, thank you so much for coming in here today. This has been, this has been amazing. And um, again, Kev, this is an episode for us. Yes, this this yeah. is another one for us. <laughs> this is another one for us. We need to get somebody from Korea in here. That'd be nice. Because we get somebody from Korea in here, we're going to put together a whole military series. Yeah. Uh, okay. So we're going to talk afterwards. Okay. All right. Sounds so, great. John, thank you so much. Thank you for I, having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. That's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast. As always, we talk about what we learned. Reality hits hard, just like a hammer. November 10th should be a national holiday. That's right. But you know, they do have a uh, national holiday for Vietnam veterans now. Yes, but I'm talking November 10th specifically for the Marine Corps. They should. (laughs) Duty is the highest honor. Mm -hmm. Skinny dipping in Vietnam might not have been the best (laughs) idea in the world. One more is enough for anybody to fight, but most importantly, be thankful. That's going to do it for this episode of the Suffering Podcast. Follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Follow Mike on Instagram at Mike underscore Fillets. Follow me at Real Kevin Donaldson. Follow the Suffering Podcast at the Suffering Podcast. And we're going to see you on the next episode.